Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Right. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so fantastic to have you here. Who um, watched the rugby game last night? Yeah, I like. Okay, we need to give these guys a clap because they made it to church. So let's give them a hand. Too late for me, that one. All right. I just want to read from Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is joy. Now, God loves fun, He loves celebration, and He's all about joy. So today, we're going to talk about joy. I've put my joy color on for you this morning. I found that I was checking my wardrobe, and I'm like, I've got so much black and white and dark blue and all that, so I had to raid ashes. All I could come up with was a T-shirt. But as you see this, I want you to be thinking joy. So, you know, I believe that his kingdom is one of joy, but I really believe that God is wanting to restore joy to the church. He's wanting to bring joy back. Now, when I think of the word joy, the first thing that pops into my head is all these songs that I used to sing when I went to Sunday school. Does that happen for anyone else? Has anyone got songs going through their head? Yeah, give me a wave. Okay, we're going to sing one together because I just think that will be fun for a moment. Okay, so does anyone know the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart? We are? Okay, all right, so I'm going to need you all to sing really loud. We're going to sing this out together. We're going to sing about joy. Okay, on three. One, two, three. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. We'll leave it there, eh? Well done. Well done. Good job. Actually, I just have to give a moment of testimony there. Yesterday, I hardly had a voice, and I was coughing a lot. And I was like, God, how am I going to do this? And he just said, trust me. Woke up this morning, my voice was a lot better. And just during worship, it strengthened and strengthened. So I just want to say, yay, God, thank you for healing. So back to joy. In this time we're living in, you know, we have the most information about well-being. We have the most resources and the most, like we could learn about anything that we want to. We have access to everything basically on the internet. We can buy almost anything that we want to and get it pretty well instantly. We've got all this stuff, but New Zealand has like the highest suicide rates and we have so much anxiety and depression. There's something wrong about this. It's never meant to be like this and I believe that it's time for a turnaround. Who's with me in that? The kingdom of God is joy. Now, I want to talk a wee moment about this guy called Nehemiah, who is in the Old Testament, and he's an amazing leader and just did incredible things. And um, for 70 years, his people were in exile in Babylonia. Um, They had been, like, basically thrown out of their country. There was a lot of fear. They were living in a culture that just was so totally foreign to them. And then Nehemiah, um, actually also Esther was during this time, just out of interest. So we all know that um, during that time that the Jews almost faced um, a total annihilation, but she stepped up and she just fought on their behalf. And amazing story of turnaround there. So a lot of fear for them during this time. 
Um, so Nehemiah's working for the king of Persia. He's a cupbearer. And then he hears about the plight of the Israelite people. Um, he sees what, what they're living in, the conditions they're living in, and also the state that Jerusalem is in. He notices how broken down the walls are, that they're in a total state of disrepair. And he decides to do something about it. So he goes and talks to the king. He finds favor with the king. The king says, yes, you may go and rebuild the wall. And he provided a whole lot of materials as well. So for the next 52 days, and that in itself is a miracle. It only took 52 days. So for 52 days, people worked shoulder to shoulder, side by side, repairing the walls of Jerusalem. Now, they were under threat of attack constantly. So half the guys were building away and half had their swords ready to fight if they needed to. So after 52 days, it's complete. And many of the Israelites return to Jerusalem and they settle in their towns. And then we're going to pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I love that verse. So the walls complete. The people come together to hear the word of God. They turn back to him. But then there's a whole lot of weeping. There's a whole lot of crying. Maybe they're crying because of everything that they went through, and they went through a whole lot of suffering. Maybe they're crying because they have realized how far away from God that they've been. But Nehemiah says this. He said, this day is holy to God, so don't grieve or weep. I think as Christians, often like we've just thought that holiness equals being solemn and being serious. No, like it's something to be serious about. And that's true to a point. You know, God's presence is awe-inspiring. And yes, maybe when we, um, when we come to God and we realize how far we've been from him or we realize just how much we need him and we just say, God, we just want more of you in our lives, maybe there'll be weeping. And when we were in USA a few weeks ago, there was a lot of that for me as I just said, God, I just need more of you in my life. But we're not supposed to stay in that place of grieving and weeping. Because he is holy, we are made holy. Because Jesus is righteous, we are made righteous if we choose to live in line with him. And isn't that just an amazing thing to be happy about? We are made righteous and right standing with Jesus Christ. I think that that is something that we just need to stop and think about and just go, okay, holiness is joyful because I am righteous with God. I can be joyful. Back to that verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I've thought about this a lot and tried to understand it, and it kind of like, well, how does this make sense? What does it mean for God's joy to be my strength? And that word joy, I found as I've been sort of looking and researching, is almost like it's a really hard word to define. 
The dictionary says this. It says that joy is a feeling of happiness, an emotion evoked by well-being or success. I just want to take a wee moment to look at Hebrews 12. This is Paul talking. He says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you hear what I read there? It was like, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So I don't think that there was a whole lot of maybe feelings of happiness for him right then or feelings of success when he was thinking about what he had to face. But he looked past where he was at, past the situation, circumstances, into the future. I believe he was seeing the victory that we were going to step into, the victory that he was going to attain for us. He saw the unbroken connection that we would have with Father God, the life that we would have, and that brought him joy. So joy can't be determined by our, by our situation, by our current circumstances. It isn't a feeling, though it may result in good feelings. So that rugby game last night, who felt happy watching that rugby game as you're watching? Yeah? Yeah, Jeff and Jill were in the first service. I don't think they would have felt so happy about it. But, you know, I guess you guys would have felt really happy, all of you who watched it. And when we heard this morning, we were happy too. But, you know, maybe next weekend when we're playing England... Will we feel so happy or maybe we might need to pull on that inner joy so that we can, like, we can find the good in the situation? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's going to be awesome. So in the Bible, the Greek word for joy is this word chara, and that means inner gladness, delight, and rejoicing. So back to Nehemiah for a minute and the, the verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So that word joy... Um, in Hebrew there is this word hedwat, something like that, which means rejoicing. So it actually reads, instead of the joy of the Lord is my strength, it actually reads rejoicing in God is a place or a means of strength, of safety and protection. That just brings another whole kind of context around that verse. Um, and just looking at that word rejoice in the Bible so many times, um, so here's an example, David being chased by King Saul, and he talks about rejoicing. So there that word means to brighten up, to be happy, carefree, gleesome. I don't know how many of us would be feeling gleesome if we were being chased by a scary king. Um, Paul in prison, he uses the word rejoice, and he talks about that, and that, that word there is being cheerful, calmly happy, or well off, being well So from a place of prison, Paul is talking about being cheerful and calmly happy. I'm going to add two other words in here to the word rejoice, because especially in those situations we've read, but also in our own lives, I don't think we can separate them out. So these two words, in God, rejoicing in God, that's the key. So when we rejoice in God, that's being cheerful, carefree, happy, brightening up, being well in God. So unlike happiness, which just relies on everything going right around us, joy is found as we are in God. You know, and it comes from that, that confident expectation of his goodness that he is going to bring about good in our lives. And like I said before, God's bringing back joy to the church. And I just believe as the Holy Spirit reveals more of God's goodness and his love, that that joy is going to increase, that the joy levels in our own lives, the joy levels in this church is going to increase because we need it, but not only do we need it, but the world around us desperately needs it. 
back to Nehemiah for a minute, the Israelites grieved for how far they'd been from him and for what they'd lost. And grieving is a part of the process, and that's important. I do want to say that it's not about ignoring our feelings. Um, and we know that with Jesus, with Lazarus, when Lazarus died, even though Jesus knew what the outcome was going to be, he still wept because he was moved with compassion for others. Now, most of us will have experienced loss and grief at some stage in our life. And um, for me, I just want to share one experience for me, and I can only share from my own experience, and it will be quite different and maybe minimal compared to what a lot of you have been through. But I want to share this today because I felt it was important. Um, so for me, the first time of loss was when we miscarried a baby after having Abby. Um, so we were about, we were 10 weeks pregnant um, at the time we went to a conference um, and we miscarried the baby, but we'd been planning this baby for a long, long, long time. So this baby had already been a part of our heart for a long time and we were so excited and then, yeah, me especially, I was devastated when we lost that baby. I was really sad and I had lots of questions for God. Probably the biggest one was, God, why couldn't you have just done a miracle? Because I felt my faith was big enough for a miracle. I felt like we were just really close to that. But a lot of other questions for myself, like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? What if I'd eaten this or not eaten that or whatever? Just, you know, stupid questions. And the questions and the hurt that I carried towards God kind of made me feel like I was distant from him. Like there was this wall that was kind of separating me from knowing his love. And I cried tears, but the tears that I cried then were kind of like angry, hurt kind of tears. They weren't at all healing tears. I stayed in that sadness for a while, and then I got to this point where I was like, actually, these questions are doing nothing but making me feel worse and more separated from God. And as I handed that to God, then those tears went from tears of anger and hurt to tears of healing for me. Psalm 56 this is a beautiful verse and one that maybe there's some people here this morning need to really hear this. This shows how precious um, our tears are to God. Psalm 56 verse 8, you've kept track of all my wandering and my weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost, for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. Isn't that just such an incredible verse? God doesn't say, hey, just get over it. You know that I'm good and I'm going to sort it out. He doesn't say that. He says, your tears are precious to me. For some of us, it's time to let our tears change from those tears of hurt and anger to become tears that bring healing. And the way that we do that is simply by just putting it in God's hands and saying, God, you take this. I can't take it. I put these tears in your hands. And then he takes them and brings healing. You know, and Jesus is our place of exchange. So for us, God totally turned the story around. Many of you will know the outcome of it. Some of you won't. But we went, we got pregnant again, went for a scan at 18 weeks. I hadn't bothered with 12-week scans. And the sonographer quickly moved the, the thing across my tummy very fast. And I thought, oh, no, what's wrong? There's something really wrong here. Then she said, do you want the good news or the good news? And she said, you're having twins. And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. And the, the lady said to us, you guys are handling this so well. She said, most people burst into tears about now. For us, it was laughter. Psalm 126 says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Now, at this time, I believe God is taking our tears and he's turning them into joy. 
you know, where the devil has just meant harm in our lives, what he's meant to destroy us, God is taking that and he's going to turn it around. And he's giving double portion for all that was lost. Now, that may mean twins for some of you, and I'm really happy. I'm happy to pray that over you. We're having a chat on our staff feed during the week, and I'd just written this, and then we started talking about twins. So anybody wants prayer for twins, I will pray that over you. But it might not be that, but it will look like joy for you. Specifically, I just believe for those who have cried over your children, um, some of you have just cried over your children when you've just been like, God, we need to see them healed, or God, they need to be restored. God, they need to find you. They need to know salvation. I believe that this is a turnaround season in your children's lives. You're going to see the harvest in their lives. Also, for those who have experienced miscarriages or maybe abortion or lost a child, then I believe that God is healing your heart today and just bringing, restoring your joy. So if you can identify with any of that, whether you have lost a child in some way or whether you've been crying over your children, whether there's broken relationship or just where they are not walking closely with God, then I just ask you in this moment, just place a hand over your heart. I'm just going to declare Psalm 126 over you and we're going to pray this together. So as the Lord brings restoration, you will be like those who dream. Your mouths will be filled with laughter. On your tongue will be songs of joy. It will be said about you, the Lord has done great things for them. You will say that the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. As you have sown in tears, you will reap with songs of joy. As you have gone out weeping, carrying seed to sow, you will return with songs of joy, carrying a harvest with you. And Father, right now, I just agree with these precious people, God, for your healing and in themselves, first of all, God, those who have experienced loss, oh, Father, I thank you for your healing just going deep, your love pouring into them and joy being released in them. God, for those who are just standing in the gap for their children, God, I just declare right now relationships restored and made whole. Thank you, God, for salvation happening in this place today, salvation happening in our children. And God, the fullness of that word, saved, healed, whole in every way. God, we just declare these things in your name and we just give you all the glory for the testimonies that are going to start flooding in, in Jesus' name. While we were um, in the USA, I just heard story after story after story of these big evangelist preachers and just other people we talked to in cafes who said, um, I was like this far away from God, like just, yeah, living totally different life. But my mum was praying for me. Heard so many stories like that. And I just believed as we came back that there's a few people I shared that with and just want to share that again with you today. That like, you know, the, uh, was it the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So as we testify to things and we're prophesying that it's going to happen again, God do it again. So just over any of you that are just wanting to see your children come back to God, just say, God, do it again. So back to, back to this word joy. How do we get joy? So Galatians 5, you know, we're talking before about I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart where often it's like this joy just seems like how, how can we possibly attain it? How do we get it? Galatians 5 says this, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and on it goes. So the fruit of having the Holy Spirit working in our lives is joy. So we could conclude that it might be a good idea to get a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So for me, that looks like I try and do this every day, just saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me again today. I can't do this day without you. I want more of you in my life. It's a simple thing. We can all do that every day, just asking him to fill us. 
the Bible says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, joy is free. I've just said it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's free, but it actually has a cost to it. It sounds a bit like an oxymoron. It's free. God will give it to us freely, but it has a cost. And that cost, I believe, is maybe it's in spending time with God. Maybe it's in just putting him in his presence before anything else. Because joy is discovered in who we are walking with. It's not, just, it's not in things out there. It's in who we're walking with. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden they would have experienced incredible joy walking and talking with God. It's one that's a bit different, but Paul in the book of Acts, after being beaten in a city, says that he walked out with great joy. And I believe because he was walking out with God. If we really want joy, then we have to align ourselves with the source of joy. We have to align ourselves with him. And we need so much more of him in our lives That's where our joy is going to come from. And this world needs to know the joy. They need to understand the joy. So in his presence is fullness of joy. He carries the presence of joy. So maybe that looks like us going for a walk and saying, God, just fill me with you again today. Maybe it looks like cranking up our worship music and just praising him, worshiping him. Maybe it looks like sitting and being still with Jesus, reading the word. Because happiness is good, we like to be happy, but true joy is found in his presence face to face with him. And for too long, the devil's been robbing the church of our identity, our authority, and our joy. But I think enough is enough. Yeah? I think we've been pretty good actually, you know, over the past few years of just fighting for our, de- our, our identity and our authority, but I think it's time to fight for our joy as well. One of the things that um, Glenn and I really noticed when we went to the US, um, and I, I journaled this because I wanted to write down my first impressions, but there was this incredible feeling of optimism everywhere we went across the US. Yes, of course, we saw like the contrast of different things going on in society, but the general feeling was one of optimism, of one of kind of like this feeling that there was hope and that life was good. Um, and it was just so noticeable for us. And then, you know, we're just really believing that it's time for New Zealand to get its optimism back. It's time for New Zealand to get its joy back. No, New Zealand, like we talked about, it's known at the moment for its suicide statistics. It's known at the moment for the level of depression and anxiety, but I'm believing and declaring, and I know that you guys are standing with us in this, that this is going to be turned around. Instead of New Zealand being known for that, we're going to be known for our joy, for our optimism, for our hope. It's time for joy and hope to rise like never before. And church, we need to lead this. We can't just wait for it just to come from somewhere. We need to lead it. And like I said, this is about seeking his face. This is about being in his presence. I just want to talk about one key, just one incredible way that we can see the joy released. And then we're going to practice it because it's always fun to practice joy. We're going to get our praise on very soon with our voices. 
We're also going to get our praise on with our offering and our big give. And we're going to do that as well as an act of praise because we want to do this with thankfulness and great joy because God loves a cheerful giver. So it's our privilege to get to partner with them. So praise releases joy. Um, last week at conference, New Life Conference, which, by the way, you all need to come to next year. We would love to have you there. It was amazing. Already like two families, like maybe during the service or straight after, registered for conference. So yeah, you guys are amazing. Um, we'd love to have you all there. Anyway, conference last week, um, Pastor Rudy was talking about praise and the power of praise. And in that moment, I thought, I, like, we're pretty good at putting worship music on at home, doing all that, and in my times with God, playing worship music. But I decided, I actually want the praise level to increase. Um, so we're going to play more praise music. So... We were renovating the other day. We put a Planet Shakers praise list on, and we were like, yeah, full on, eh? Full on praise time. Um, so, yeah, praise. Let's make a decision for praise. Because praise does a lot of awesome things. First of all, it places God in his rightful place. Psalm 22 says this, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. So as we praise, we put him up above everything else in his rightful place. Praise is our gateway into his presence. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We were just talking about before, we want more of his presence. We want more of him. So let's praise our way into his presence. Praise is for everyone. No excuses here. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is not limited to people who can sing. This is not limited to, to people who like praises their big, like their best way of worshiping God. Praise is for each one of us. Praise is powerful. Second Samuel 22 says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. As we praise, the devil is pushed back. He has stopped dead in his tracks. We need to praise. Praise makes way for the miraculous. Cool verse, Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. As we praise, we make way for miracles to happen and for freedom to be released in our lives and in those around us. So let's get to our feet right now. We are just going to take a moment to praise God. We're not doing this with instruments. We're not doing it with singing. If God has done anything at all in your life, if he's saved you, if he has given you a home to live in, we might start like basic like that. You're alive. That's a good reason to praise God. You've got food to eat. You've got friends or family. You have reason to praise God. So together... On three, we're going to give God a great big shout of praise. This might look like, thank you, God. It might look just like Jesus. It will sound like clapping. It will sound like something and look like something. But in this moment, he is so worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be lifted up high above everything. So on three, let's just worship him and praise him for a minute. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus!
Jesus. Jesus. Awesome. Don't sit down. We're going to keep praising him in a minute. Praise brings joy. As we praise, hope starts to rise and joy starts to fill us and come out of us. Now, praise looks like something and sounds like something, just like we observed there, clapping and shouting. And if you don't believe me that that's how praise should be, I just want to read from Psalm 47 for a minute. Go ahead and celebrate. Come on and clap your hands, everyone. Shout to God with the raucous sounds of joy. The Lord God Most High is astonishing, awesome beyond words. He's a formidable and powerful king over all the earth. God arises with the ear-splitting shout of his people. wonder what an ear-splitting shout sounds like. must be loud. God goes up with a trumpet blast. I heard that. Sing and celebrate. Sing some more. Celebrate some more. Sing your highest song of praise to our king. And we're going to do that a bit more in a moment. Thrive Church is and will be a house of praise. Thrive Church is a house of joy, and God is going to continue to increase the joy in this place. New Zealand is going to be attuned around by the presence of God, by the joy and the love of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of heaven, back to the beginning, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. So it's a good place to start. Right now in this moment, before we before we praise, before we take up the big give, I just believe there's some people here who need to know more joy. You're just sitting there going, actually, I just got to get a lot more joy in my life. So in this moment, just encourage you just to come out of your seats. We're just going to lay hands on you and release the joy of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to do a big pray time, but we are going to release joy over you. So if that's you this morning, if you're like, oh, I don't have as much joy as I'd want to have, I, I just need more of the Holy Spirit in my life, then I encourage you to just come out of your seat real quickly. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 